Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Recorded live. Hey, it's uh, Michael. And once again, I have uh, brother... Derek Hallett, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Um, and you can check out his work, uh, Sound the Trumpet Ministries uh, dot com, and also then the YouTube channel by the same name, Sound the Trumpet Ministries. And uh, this past week, he has uh, one, two, three postings, including stepping out of the Faith Conference, his uh, teaching there. Beware of Religious Spirits is a very good teaching. And, of course, this other one was a good one as well. Uh, uh, the Worship of Baal Peor. So, anyways, uh, yeah, this should be interesting, uh, this uh, teaching. Uh, Derek, thank you for joining me. And uh, I guess uh, I guess we'll start out in prayer. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, absolutely, bro. It's good to be on. Thanks for having me again. So, uh, okay. yeah, let me start off in prayer first, yeah. and, then, and then if you want to as well. Uh, I need it. So it's been one of those days. I hear Dear you, Father, Almighty oh, God, oh true and living God, Abba Father, the only God and the only God that ever will be, the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that yes, our Lord and Savior taught us about, told us who to pray, to pray to. Abba Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you that you bless this teaching. Yes, it Lord. will uh, be inspired by your Holy Spirit and be guided by you. It will be a blessing f- towards you and for you, God, and uh, for your, your children, your people. God, um, this place... Uh, <laughs> After things you revealed to me today, God, if the world is, man, people don't think this is a fallen place. I don't know what else to say, God. God, I just want to say thank you for opening up my eyes, opened up my brother uh, Derek's eyes, and I just ask you to open up the rest of the body of Christ's eyes because this situation that we're in is far, far worse than we can imagine. And unfortunately, God... That's one of the things I've been pondering on, it sounds like we'll be talking about, is that the leadership of the body of Christ has failed us completely when it comes to what we're really going against. And Almighty God, I just ask you, you bind all demonic attacks against this show, against my brother, Derek, and against my brothers and sisters and all. Please protect us, God, for this is real. This, these things are real, and they're like cockroaches, God. Yes, Lord. We need to take. We need. We need to start taking the spiritual battle and the spiritual war that we're under. Serious, God. How do we get to this? How do we reach to our brothers and sisters to wake them up? God, please bless Derek that he'll be able to do it. I'll be able to do it, and others 
who have faith in you and our Lord and Savior, the only begotten, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that there's no other hope outside of Jesus. So all praise and glory go to you, Heavenly Father. And I just want to thank you for the many blessings you've given me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, I also want to pray tonight with my brother Mike, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. I am grateful, Lord, that you've given my brother, Lord, another week, another day, that he might do your will, Lord. And I pray for all attacks against his family, against his friends, against this show, against this broadcast tonight, that they be cut down, that they have no place here, that your spirit will be here, Lord, to edify the hearers, the eyes of those who can't see, the ears of those who can't hear, for the minds and hearts, Lord, who are not open to you, for those that are stiff-necked. I pray, Lord, that they have a true understanding. For tonight, we are going to tackle one of those subjects, Lord. And I pray that no man's heart be heard. I pray that no flesh be glorified. But I pray that you send your spirit of teaching upon us that we may be edified and truly understand what the leadership of God ought to be. For this is a joke, Lord, and I agree with my brother. How did we get to this place? And I believe it's because we have taken our trust in God and placed it on man, how we have moved from that which is spiritual unto that which is carnal. So, Lord, I pray that you breathe on those dead bones. I pray that they live. I pray that they be prophesied unto until they stand an exceeding great army. So, Lord, let me not utter words that don't come from you. Let your words be heard. And again, Lord, we are speaking to the remnant. Let them hear what your call is, and may they go into action and do just what you say. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true and worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask, Lord, that you do these things for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, take it away. <laughs> thank you. All for right. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just say thank you for joining me again, so take it away. Oh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. It's unless, always unless, unless, unless you want me to vent for the next 15 minutes about what I experienced today, which I don't think <laughs> that's for another time. That's for another time. So, <laughs> well, you know, if you want to bring it up during too, it may be relevant to what we're dealing with. So, you know, I always want to hear how my brothers are doing and what's going on with them. So, Hey, it's up to you. <laughs> but, um, just, every day, okay. every day, it just gets more and more. God reveals to me the reality of the demonic realm and how, and how, true it is and how true uh, what our real enemy is and uh, i just don't i'm asking myself god why are you revealing this to me why aren't you revealing this to the the pastors and to the the you know that's supposed to be people that are heading and running these flocks your your people why me but that's anyway, that's of course and that why me part is like who might even ask why me i just I just, I'm not. I'm not really questioning God. I'm questioning actually the men that we're going to talk about. I mean, what happened? What oh, the heck man. happened? 
Well, I think that, you know, Jeremiah uh, 17 and 5 says, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. You know, so I think that really what's going on here is we're going to speak about dumb dogs. We're going to speak about these dogs that have taken over the church. We want to speak about what they have been able to do, how they've been able to deceive, how they've been able to pretty much uh, destroy the the vineyard that God entrusted in them to have. You see, we've got a major problem today that is plaguing the church, that it's not run by the Holy Ghost anymore. So everybody's got their denomination. Everyone's in their place where they think that they can have whatever they want, and somehow, as long as they say church, that it's supposed to be the church of Christ. So this is one of the problems that we're having is because the Holy Ghost, had it been stayed on him, it would have never turned into what you see today. And it's just unfortunate that we need to call these false prophets, false pastors. We need to call these false bishops and shepherds exactly what they are. They are murderers. They are thieves. They are liars. They are pimps. Okay? And they are witchcraft working wizards. Okay? We need to give them their proper place and call them what they are. Because there are so many people, can you imagine the amount of numbers since the false gospel has been coming in? How many people have actually been killed with the gospel? How many people have actually gone to hell believing lies because they've put their trust in men that were supposed to be God-fearing men? And you know what you're finding today? Before a lot of pastors and things get started, you hear all kinds of stuff like, you know, jokes before and you know, talks of politics and holidays and all these different things. But the truth of the matter is that that's not the anointing. There's a weightiness to the anointing. David Wilkerson talked about that, you know, at one point. You know, a lot of the older pastors did. When they would come to present the gospel, when they would come to have a sermon and tell people about the Lord, and they they did it with fear and trembling. There was no fooling around. There was no nonsense. I mean, what can be joking? I mean, what can be uh, considered a joke that has something to do with eternal damnation or eternal salvation? You know, these men, when the Bible says, study to shoot thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, then that meant that everything they brought, they believed that God heard. And all they were worried about is, was God pleased? But what you see today is, it's almost like a, how I heard Paul Washer say, you know, like a six flags over Jesus. Everything is a joke. Everything is fun and games. They got basketball courts in church. You know, they have places where, you know, barbershops. They have, you know, bookstores, which I don't really care too much about. But Jesus spoke about, them turning his place from a house of prayer unto a den of thieves. And and it's amazing how far we've sank. It's amazing how far we've gone that we have not done what Jesus has called us to do. And that's why he says for these false prophets, these false teachers, they will receive the greater damnation for leading people unto hell. But as much as we're going to talk about them tonight, We're going to speak to the people that are sitting in these churches and watching this stuff play out. 
If you're not even a part of the remnant, I'm not even talking to you. I'm speaking tonight to the person that can actually hear what God has to say, okay? Because we know that we can't force people to receive the gospel. But one thing we are going to make clear tonight is that this is a very, very serious situation, and that salvation is nothing to be played with. So I want you all to understand out here. I don't want you to turn off your phone. I don't want you to turn off your computer. I want you to hear me and the gospel in its entirety. I want you to see how far we've gone, and I want you to see what is required for the kingdom of heaven. But as far as all these idiots in the pulpit, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to use that word. But, you know, how long are we going to be the tool of the devil? How long are we going to allow the devil to make a fool out of us? You know, the Bible that we have in this world, it's so funny because, you know, it's, it's probably the most owned book in the world, but it's the least read. Now, that is supernatural. That is truly supernatural, and that's what we're going to cover tonight. Why is it so hard for you to study yourself? Why is it so hard for you to get into your Bible? And what we are going to discuss tonight are these false prophets, these false teachers, these false pastors, men that are not even worthy to do the righteous works of God because they don't meet the requirements. So, brother, if you've got anything to add or anything you want to say to this, you know, please do and, and, and intervene at any time. But I just want people to understand the seriousness that there is in this. Your salvation is nothing to be played with. Roger, can can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, I'm going to, hold on a second, I'm going to mute you and then read. And now you're back. Okay. Now, the reason why I did that is because I muted the, in case anybody comes to the chat room or you're giving your uh, your mm-hmm. teaching here so they don't mm-hmm. talk over you. Um, yeah, I was like, brother, take it off. Take care. Take t- t- Do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? All I can well, say is right. you know, all the things I keep, cause keep, God keeps on revealing to me. I just like, I, I just don't know, brother. I, I, I'm not trying to sound negative. Although I probably am sounding negative, but I mm-hmm. just, uh, I mean, I'm nobody. Why am I even having this stuff revealed to me? How come, you know, the big name guys out there aren't, do they not know mm-hmm. what I know? They must not know what I know. That's all I can think of. But, but the, well, I'm nothing special, so I don't get it. But, but anyways, maybe you explain things to us, you know, why uh, these dumb dogs are so blind to the actual our true reality and are focused on all the wrong things except you know mm-hmm. the part about you know salvation in Jesus Christ that part but everything else it's just like there's there's actually no excuse except there must be something spiritual going on absolutely God, i mean the devil knows the devil knows that he couldn't penetrate the church so what did he do he worked his little Judases in one by one up until they actually received what you would call the throne in the churches. I believe that he worked them in, had some people, you know, brown nose in the pastor and complimenting them until they got in their positions. And I believe he's done this in many places. A lot of the pastors that were hellfire preachers that were talking about the real stuff that we needed to know in Christ, 
I believe many of them have been strategically removed from behind the scenes, okay, for hard preaching, hard, heavy shepherding. All these things that people think are detrimental to the body were actually what was needed. And, you know, it's just going to be one of those things tonight that a lot of people aren't going to like what we have to say, but we just need to get going and, and show why God does what he does. So let's go to Ezekiel 33. I want to go to Ezekiel 33 to start off, and then from there we can get right into this lesson. But it is important that we understand as people of God that, you know, God has requirements for what leaders are supposed to be, what pastors are supposed to be. You know, the role of a shepherd is to look after the flock. The role of a shepherd is not just to walk with the flock, but there are times he has to crack those legs to get them to go in the right direction. Then there's times he can just lead them or push them along with the staff. So as you can see, the shepherd has a very heavy task because there are times when he needs to rebuke sin and tell people what the truth is that the sheep won't go astray. There's times he might have to hurt your feelings a little bit or convict you to bring you back to reality. And then there's times he points you or directs you to the word or a relationship with Jesus Christ that will get you to do what he wants. But I'm telling you, so many of these people have fallen asleep at the wheel. They don't even believe what God is doing. And I don't know how you can have a Bible in front of you and preach the garbage that Joseph Prince preaches. You know, Creflo Dollar, T.D. Jakes, the list goes on and on. Joe Osteen, you know, even, uh, what's her name, Joyce Meyer, and uh, Paula White, you know, and all these other characters. The only way a person like that can read what they're reading, I mean, holding the Bible and spread lies like they do, your conscience has to be seared. You've got to be a tool of the devil to have no conscience whatsoever, to lie to people week after week. Christ can't be your God. He can't be your Lord and Savior. So I think what's going on is the devil has strategically placed his people in positions of power to overthrow the flock. And now you go, I think that this movement really began in the 80s because I remember in the 70s and the 60s, there was a lot of preaching the truth. There was a lot going on. But I think the move had occurred so swiftly that for many church people, they never caught you know, the sleight of hand movement that the enemy brought. It happened so fast. Well, they were taught, you know, always to go to church and ask the pastor if you have questions. There's been a conviction. There's been, I mean, there's been a conditioning to get people to do these things. And then before you know it, the devil moved out a decent pastor and put one of his minions in the midst. And they never saw it coming. Why? Because they took their eyes off of Jesus. So let's look at Ezekiel 33 and 1, and it says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. So when people decide to use or they decide to have a watchman of their coast, they put him on the shores, and, and his job that he knows from that day on is to blow the whistle whenever he sees danger or the sword coming towards the land. So then it says, 
Then whosoever um, heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. So God is making it clear for this watchman, everything that you see, everything you talk about is not going to be your fault. If you do what you're supposed to do in God, then you cannot be held accountable for what someone else decides to do or not do. We are not lords over God's inheritance. We only tell people the truth that they might obey, that they might receive it, not because we said it, but because it's the word of God. So it's a special position because how do you know when danger is approaching? You know, danger isn't going to always look like a bunch of troops coming up the hill, you know, with with machetes and things in their hands. Sometimes they're going to come up to your door as a popular salesman, you know, just to uh, with a box or, you know, a tray of cookies, and they want to give them out to everybody in the community. So you see, a, a watchman has a special office because he's got to be able to discern good and evil. All things that come to the doorstep of the church will not have the appearance of evil, but they just might be. So a watchman is a serious job because he's someone that has to know the word of God, can't be afraid to blow the trumpet, and love the people enough to tell them the truth so that they won't be taken away. So he says in verse 5, I believe that's where I am. Yeah, verse 5, and he says, He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. So, you know, just like I said tonight, we're talking to the remnant. I'm only saying that the remnant will hear it, but I'm speaking to all that they might be warned, that they might repent and they may receive the truth. Why? So that their souls shall be delivered. So for those who hear the watchman, they'll be delivered. Verse five, I mean, verse six, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So as you can see, the shepherd or the sheep, neither one is innocent, but they both have different roles. Shepherds are only to train the sheep, the sheep to lead them in the ways of Jesus Christ to do that which is, you know, right in the sight of God. Why? Because you want that sheep to make his destination. You want them to get to that place where they are right in God. Okay? And a shepherd is no wimp. A shepherd has to face a lot of different things. Sometimes there are wolves around. Sometimes there's other things around. But a shepherd, if he loves the sheep, he is going to guide them and watch over them. So he's saying that this man, you know, if he blows not the trumpet, the so-called watchman, the people will be taken away in their iniquity because there's no excuse for you. But if you know the truth and you sit on it, God is saying, that that person's blood will I require at that hand, at thy hand. And that's why we can't be so quick to get up preaching at people and, you know, trying to get people to, you know, or, or accept the office of a pastor. 
okay, because it's a very serious office. If we're, the, if we're a watchman, you know that I believe the work that you do right now, brother, is the work of a watchman. You are telling people the truth. You are telling people what they don't want to hear in many cases. But because you are faithful to the truth, you get some backlash, I'm sure. There are some people that will message you and say some, you know, pretty stupid things or, or things that they go against how you feel. But overall, you're faithful to what you do. I get a lot of backlash myself. Who are you to tell me? How do you know that your way is right? Hey, I just tell you the truth. Uh, prove it with the word of God, and you believe whatever you want. But God's not kidding. He says that if that person be taken away and you sat on the truth and did not tell them, God will, will require it at your hand. So he says in verse 7, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto thy house, the house I mean, of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at that hand. Nevertheless, if thou uh, warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy own soul, or delivered thy soul. So, you know, I did a teaching about a year ago. You may be able to find it on soundthetrumpetministries.com, but there's a teaching called There's Blood in Your Hands. Did you ever um, uh, hear that one, brother? Uh, I I can't recall. To be honest with you, I've listened to so many. Okay. I can't recall. Right. My apologies. Well, there's one. No, no problem. There's called. There's one called. There's blood on your hands because what Christians ought to realize is if God saved you to get you out of what you're in, you're only saved to save another, to tell people the truth about Jesus Christ. So there's blood on our hands if we don't tell people the truth. Why? Because we know it. We know what salvation is. We know that hell is real. We know that heaven is real. We know that Jesus died for our sins. And he's acquainted us with his spirit that we might, that he may be revealed to us. So if we sit on that truth and we tell people not what they need to know, then the problem is there is blood on our hands. You are just as guilty as killing that person as someone else that would that was a murderer. Why? Because you have the words of eternal life, and if you choose not to tell them, you are just as guilty as the man that did it. Okay, so let's uh, move on. We're going to get right into the subject. Let's go into Isaiah 56, and let's begin at verse 9 as we talk about these dumb dogs. Isaiah 56, and let's look at verse 9. And he says, All ye beasts of the field, come to devour, yea, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen, whose watchmen? Satan's watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. That means they don't know. They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. 
They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter. So it makes clear here that we're speaking of shepherds. So this is what he's talking about, these watchmen, that they should be looking out for the flock, but it says in verse 10 that they're blind. They are all ignorant. So what are you even doing in that position if you don't even know? And then it says they are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. So if you can't bark and you have the office of a watchman or a shepherd, what are you doing in that office? If you can't tell people the truth concerning homosexuality, if you fear for your own life, and you can't tell people about sin. You can't tell people about Satan is the God of this world. You can't tell people about, you know, carrying your cross, that you might walk with Jesus Christ. And what are you even doing in that office besides collecting a paycheck? I want people to have a real understanding here that a pastor's office is not an office for a wimp. It's not an office for a sniveling little weasel. It's not an office for a coward. It's an office for an individual that loves the flock and loves God above all, that he might do God's righteous work in spite of what he sees, in spite of what may come his way. A shepherd, a pastor is a type of shepherd that, that protects the flock from all outside distractions. Okay, so it says that they can't even bark. So how do you warn? Sleeping. That means they should know, but they're not even alert. Lying down, not taking their walk very serious, loving to slumber. That means they like being ignorant. They don't want to know. And then it says, yay, they are greedy dogs. That's the problem, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. So it's funny how these guys don't like to talk about sin. They don't like to talk about all the things that God considers abominations. Even though you see the spirit of homosexuality everywhere, even though you see kids dying on drugs, you see 3,000 babies a day aborted, how can you possibly, if you're a watchman, miss out on this? You talk about God's love and grace and mercy every week, and, and, but you can't mention this, and you've been a pastor for 15 years, yet you see the flock having all sorts of dangers around it but you're yet not telling people what they need to know? I mean, come on. If you are watching the news, folks, and I want you guys to understand this, if you're watching the news, well, I, they're a bad example because they don't tell the truth anyways, but let's just say for this case that it was a major event. Let's just say something happened to a politician. They ended up being shot, okay, and they're dead, and there's someone that's major in the U.S., what would the newscasters look like not even bringing a situation like that up? If there was a bombing somewhere in some country, what would you look like not telling people about that? And that's major headline news. Either they don't want to know or they choose not to tell you about it. Either way, they are unqualified to tell people and to warn people about real danger. So it says, uh, they are greedy dogs, they can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter. So the problem is why the pastors are not warning. It makes clear in verse uh, 11 that they all look to their own way, 
everyone for his gain. So it's clear that these people are now hearkening unto the Lord for instruction. It's clear that they don't care anything about the flock. They're greedy. They take care of themselves. And your salvation doesn't matter because they don't even care about their own. You cannot go to seminary for all those years and learn what you learn and and know this Bible from front to back and not even mention the key core things of what a Christian is about, what a Christian is to avoid, and what's actually plaguing the church of God. So I imagine, and I'll tell you straight out, these people intend to watch you be destroyed. All they care about is their money and their gain. And it's time that we stop playing the fool for these guys because this is what God had never intended to happen to his people. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 5. No, matter of fact, matter of fact, now let me switch. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 30. Let's go to Isaiah 30. And you're going to see something here, guys, that this is going to look a lot like what we know to be true, what we see today going on. We'll start at verse 1, Isaiah 30 and 1. And it says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, uh, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt, and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. So instead of these children of Israel relying on God, it says that they're rebellious children, and they are choosing to look to Egypt for everything that they need. Verse 3, Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. So this is why a lot of people don't even know what they're doing, because God is not the author of confusion. The enemy is. This is why you have many denominations and people are not sure what they believe because they have gone from studying the Bible themselves to people telling them what they should study and how they should interpret. So as you can see, when these people have turned to Egypt, they turn to explaining the Bible in a carnal, physical, worldly sort of way. Now there is confusion. For his princes were at Zoan and his ambassadors came to Haines. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be in help, nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. The burden of the beast of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper, the fiery flying serpent. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels, to a people that shall not profit them. So as you can see, when they're talking about these vipers, when they're talking about these young lions, when they're talking about all these things that are going up against Israel and that, are, that have their treasures and all the things that they're bringing, these are the enemies of God. Then it says, for the Egyptians shall help in vain. That means that it's just like the world. It's just like us putting our trust in the things of this life or in false teachers and they're not helping you one way or another. They're catering to your feelings, your carnal needs and wants and desires, but they're not helping you with the things that you ought to know concerning eternal life. All right? So it says um, in verse, 
uh, 8. Now go write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for a time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. That's why I said we're speaking to the remnant, because for these rebellious children that will not hear nor hearken unto the words of God or what we're telling them here, that they're they're just not going to listen because they don't want to. But look at verse 10 which say to the seers, now seers are like watchmen, seers are like shepherds, seers are like prophets that God gives them foreknowledge of. And, you know, when God usually comes to the prophets, it's not always good news. In most cases, it's about repentance and moving on. So it says, which say to the seers, see not. So they don't want people like you and I, Michael, telling people the truth. They'd rather we tell them that it's a fairy tale, that it's a fantasy. Don't worry about it. Sleep tight. Oh, it's only a hoax. It's no big deal. So you don't have to worry about serving the Lord or the dangers that the Lord spoke of. So they're asking the seers to see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Don't tell us the truth. The truth is scary. Don't talk to us about these things. Speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, tell me lies, tell me what you think will make me feel better. Don't tell me the truth. The truth is too much to bear. And that's why Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If any man cometh unto the, no man can cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said that all them that hear his voice hear the truth. But for those who choose not to, there are people that are invested in their feelings as to why the enemy was able to come into the churches and deceive people. Once the devil gets you into you, that you can't even hear what God wants, that you have no desire to follow him, unless his grace comes upon us to tell us the truth like we're trying to do tonight, that people might get saved man, then people will be given over unto their own appetites and will become damned in the future. So it is important that one of the devil's greatest tricks and what these false lying pastors and shepherds are doing, they're telling the people the things that they want to hear. They're turning their eyes away from the one true God and his word, and they're giving people fairy tales and fantasies to rest in. And, And people have taken the bait. It's really sad, brother. I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but this is a really sad state of affairs that the church has sank to serving men and not the true God. I totally am in agreement with you, and it's it's a lot worse than even how you're expressing it. I don't know if you even have the words to express how bad the situation is, and is but it's the... It's, yeah. uh, you know, uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. All I can say is, uh, yeah, it's about, uh, you know, I've been wrestling about this this particular time. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit is working, because you're thinking about the same thing I'm thinking, uh, a little different direction, but this today is like, God, he's like, especially after the things that he revealed to me, 
uh, as far as the spiritual nature and how these things, these demonic, the demonic realm is so real. Mm-hmm. And just and, 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 and hell's worse than what I'm seeing, and what I'm <laughs> seeing, and what I'm witnessing, and what I'm uh, through my research, and even going out in the field myself and taking my own images, mm-hmm. capturing these things in the woods. That you know that this 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 is uh, people don't even realize how absolutely bad it is. How absolutely uh, the the the, the state of affairs are so bad for them personally. Mm -hmm. Even before getting to the whole church thing, you individually. I mean, a brother of Christ of mine even sent some images uh, of a Protestant church. We're literally um, there's demons sitting in the pews with the people. Oh, I believe it. And believe uh, they're, it. In, they're in they're in that and they're in the uh, alleyways, alleys, and all that, whatever, where they leading up to the, the the podium and all that, and it's demons. And mm-hmm. and people are thinking they're just doing the right thing, but I, I'm sorry, but at this point, folks. This, this things are so bad. I think they probably always have been bad, but maybe back then, I'm, I'm praying there was at least a few folks like you, you and I that were. I imagine this is what we're reading is they're saying the same thing. It's not. It's just the carnal nature we're hearing here about war and guys with swords. But what motivates these men with war, with swords to, to go after them? Well, this is the spiritual realm we're talking about now. The wickedness in high places, and you know, and the principalities, and all this other stuff, and it's just the vileness that I'm capturing. And uh, all I think I can think is, how come I'm capturing it, and a few other people are capturing it? How come I don't believe that 20 years ago they weren't capturing it, or 30 years they were capturing it, and somebody was warning somebody back then too, but they were quieted as well. Uh, or you know, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they're doing at YouTube with me as well. The, the mm-hmm. thing is, is that I don't know, brother. Things are bad, and I see it affecting my own life. I think part of it might be fear, fear of the unknown, and fear of what these, you know, people. This whole putting your head in the sand, uh, you know, not you. Losing, you know, the people want to hear mm-hmm. the smooth thing, the smooth tongue of. They want to hear things not not as bad as it really mm-hmm. is, because whatever you hear on television, folks, and whatever you're hearing even in the alternative media and everything else, I'm going to reassure you one thing, and I'm not making it up, and it's not my opinion. It's a million times worse. And Absolutely. if you don't get if you don't get if you don't if you do not. Uh, develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it doesn't have to be perfect. But just fall on, his, on your hands and knees and call out to Him for help and for protection. I'm going to tell Thank you something. You. This is real, and I could also tell you as well that the price is not worth it to have peace with the people around you who mm-hmm. are demonized. That's right. It, it's better to lose your family than to lose your own soul or to lose God. 
I'm, I mean, it's the truth. And that's the thing a lot of people are afraid of. Mm-hmm. Deep down inside. No, you're so right. You're so right. And I think that, like you said, that burying your head in the sand, it really is fear. And we've had a steady diet of conditioning with being afraid. Like, you know, if you think, if you take into consideration that man is body, soul, and spirit, then we ourselves are spirits. And we're afraid of spirits because of the Hollywood conditioning. These things should be, in many cases, normal to us because, I mean, you know, when you had people of God confront these things, I mean, you know, people rebuked them in Jesus' name, and it was a normal occurrence to deal with demons. But because we've become so conditioned today to think that things are just regular disorders, and we watch all these scary Hollywood movies that people would love to believe that it's just a fairy tale. The devil has made us afraid of him, not even knowing that Jesus Christ, you know, people don't even know that the devil, how the devil portrays himself on TV and people running from him in horror movies, that's really the way the devil sees God and runs from him. And those who have the anointing of the one true God and Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But see, he's learned to condition us to be afraid to receive truth. He's got us so absorbed in our feelings and our desires and our pleasures that we can't even take reality serious. We are in one big matrix full of lies, and that even includes the false churches out there. They'll give you a look of cleanliness and righteousness and holiness when really it's a den of thieves. People are taking advantage of the people of God, and they can't even see it. Why? Because sitting in the church giving a tithe puts no responsibility on you, or so you think. You think that's the easy way. I'll pay the pastor, and he'll speak the truth. And when you give men like that in God's kingdom that kind of power, then it will eventually corrupt. Because God meant for all of us to preach his gospel and to do his will and to go out and win souls. So, Amen. Um, Amen. So right now, um, I want to go to Jeremiah 2. I want to look at this condition. I want to look at what you see concerning Israel, and then we're going to really get into this thing. And this is Jeremiah chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 1. So it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in the land that was not sown. So God is remembering a time when Israel wasn't always Israel. You know, being a kid, I even remember a time when the church wasn't always, I mean, you know, when the church wasn't always like this, that there were real preachers that were out there telling people the truth. So it says, uh, Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase, all that devour him shall offend evil, um, shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Now, this is true because I remember being in church, and I mean, I remember hearing that at one point, the politicians, the president, you know, the, the devils of the world, they could not just go and start preaching or telling people about homosexuality being legal. They couldn't push abortion on the scene like this, okay? Every um, 
president at that time was, was paying attention to what that man in the pulpit said. What that man in the pulpit said was valid because when they did push things that were not of God, they used to get such a backlash by the, by the uh, church community that they had to change things around. So what did the enemy do? He took godliness off the scene. He conditioned you through TV and music, and now it seems foreign to talk about Jesus. Look at verse 4. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. So God is asking, what did I do? What did I do that would cause my church to turn his back on me? I mean, you know, I'm just bringing it into modern terms. He's speaking Israel, but as we know, the words of God are eternal. This is what we're dealing with today. Verse 5, or verse 6, neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. And I brought you into the plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made my heritage of an abomination. So this is what you can see in the church, that once the church had become settled, once the church became happy, the church stopped paying attention to what God wanted. Verse 8, the priest said not, where is the Lord? And they and that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, which is another name for Nimrod or Satan, and walked after things that do not profit. So this is what a wicked society looks like. The priest won't say, where's the Lord? So they don't praise him. They don't stand for him. And those who handle the Lord don't even know God. This is why you can have prayer taken out of schools. This is why it's become a law to have these transgender bathrooms. This is why they're telling you it's a law that, you know, um, you can't um, just preach out of Romans 1 in other countries, and it's coming here, that you can't openly talk about homosexuality. While those laws were so stiff on that woman that refused to make a cake for a homosexual couple, they made a big deal out of that. And I stand with my brothers and sisters that are going against this because a lot of this has caused the church to lose its fire because these false prophets and teachers have turned people from the eyes of God. And you're going to pay a dear price for this because God will revisit these things. So he says in verse 9, Wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim, and see, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently, and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Do we remember as a church who we were when we were strong in the Lord, when communities actually stuck together, and everything hung on God's principles? You know, I looked at some statistics, bro. Prayer went out of schools in 1962. 
by 1969, you had an, a, a spike, or 1970, an increase in children born out of wedlock, people not even being married. Once they have taken God off the scene, you see all sorts of things going up. Homosexuality on the rise, abortion on the rise. So, see, when you forget God, you forget the holiness of God, and you will hearken unto the ways of the beast and not what the Lord is telling us to do. So if you look at verse 12, he says, Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. For ye very desolate, be, I mean, uh, be afraid, be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them, down, hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So these are the two evils. One evil is that they have forsaken Jesus Christ. They have forsaken the fountain of living waters. And they try to replace him with all these new age gods that have nothing to do with God. Then um, they hewed them out cisterns, which are like vessels, broken vessels that can hold no water. So not only have you forsaken the Lord, but you have made it so that you have become so broken that you cannot hold the spirit. So this is why you get a lot of enthusiasm in church. You get a lot of loud music, praise and singing. You get a lot of false excitement. There's a whole lot of shaking going on, but there's no spirit to move. And there are people that are sitting here, you know, just trying to say, oh, man, look, the Lord sure did move today, and nothing happened. You wheel a cripple in, wheel him out again. Nothing happened. But there was a time when the miracles of God were real. But the problem is, the, the problem is at the head. The problem is in the leadership. If you put yourself under the leadership of those things that are not of God, you make that thing your God. Whatever leadership you sit under will have a spiritual effect unto you. If you are not in divine order and how God meant for things to be, then you find yourself serving the enemy and not God. So all of the promises that may be for one who is a believer, if you're sitting up under a false prophet, that you will reap the benefits of what they reap if you see not the truth and depart from their ways. Verse 14, is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also, the children of Noph and Tehaphanes have broken the crown of thy head. Noph and Tehaphanes are two cities in Egypt or ancient Egypt. He's saying that they have broken the crown of thy head. And you know something? America has broken the head of the leadership of the church and the Christian because it tried to equate patriotism, U.S. laws, the U.S. Constitution with the word of God. The word of God stands alone. It doesn't need any help, and it's higher than any court in this land. But when you've forsaken the one true God, then what you're going to find is that you are going to yield yourself to the enemy. And this is why people will obey the Constitution, but they won't obey the word of God. 
because they have gone to gods who are no gods because some false prophet, some false pastor who should have spent more time getting to know Jesus Christ and less time trying to teach has allowed this to occur because he himself is of that spirit. Let's go to John chapter 10. Brother, if you want to add anything, you can. If not, let's go there real quick. No, let's just keep going. It's, uh, when do we are there? The end at uh, chapter, uh, verse 18? Uh, yes, with Noth and Tehapanese, the two um, cities that were in now we're so you John, go John, now we're going to John what? Uh, John chapter 10. John 10, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Now we're going to get a look at the true shepherd, who is Jesus Christ. And he says, we're going to begin in verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth, that, he calleth his own sheep, by name, and leadeth them out. So, you know, to, for those who are the real sheep of God, you look at verse 3, he says, to that man or to that shepherd of the sheep, the porter openeth. The porter is a type of portal or doorway that will open, and then God can speak to his sheep. He would even speak to his leadership that are in play. So it is important that the people that lead and call themselves pastors, that they become men of God. Why? Because if they have a relationship with the Lord, then God can deliver proper instruction unto them that they might see. So then he says, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So a real shepherd, a real pastor, a real preacher He's not going to lead from the back. He's going to lead from the front. He can't tell you about sin. He can't instruct you to go and preach the gospel on the streets if he's not doing it. But you see, how they encourage people today to preach the gospel is they lead people, you know, to um, inviting people to come to their church so they can hear even more trash. No, you get out there on the street. Let people see what you're doing. You live by example. Make your calling and your election sure. So you get a lot of pastors today that are not like Christ that try and lead from the back, but they themselves wouldn't do one thing to put themselves on the front lines. This is where the real battle is. It's in the streets. So he says in verse 5, And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. So true people of God know the true word of God. They don't fight it. They don't question it. They don't make excuses for it. They don't try and interpret it in another way other than what it says. True men and pastors of God tell people the truth, and the sheep will definitely hear the truth because they hear God. So he says that they won't obey the voice of strangers. Verse 6, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Uh, then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So you see, 
There's a lot of people out there that are calling themselves pastors that are not, that they just want to milk the flock and get whatever they can from them. And once they're done fleecing the flock, they use you, and then they go and get you to get more members to come in so the same process can be repeated. But Jesus says that those who came before him were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep of God didn't hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So is he talking about earthly carnal life? No, he's talking about eternal life. He is the door. In order to get to the kingdom of God, you can't go through your pastor. You've got to go to Jesus Christ. You have to have a personal relationship with him that you can receive him. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. But he that is an hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are, not seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. So you see, a false shepherd, a hireling, will allow sin in the midst of his church. And I'm not saying sin won't come in the church. Of course sin will. But the point is, is are you preaching about it? Are you standing against it? Are you telling people what the requirements are for salvation? Jesus says here that a hireling won't. A hireling is only coming to get what he can get out of the deal, and he doesn't mind the wolves catching the sheep because, you see, he's one of Satan's watchmen. So he can care less for the people. It's what he can get from you. Now, I mean, I want people to think about this, and this is not bashing people. I just want people to have a real understanding. Do you honestly think if Joe Osteen is your pastor and there is real danger that is out there approaching the church, can you look at that man and see that he would be a man that would stand in the face of death to protect his flock? Are you guys going to look, if you guys can even look at his face, you're going to tell me that that's somebody that looks like he would throw his life on the line for his sheep. Look at Creflo Dollar for that matter. Look at T.D. Jakes for that matter. If they're loving life as much as they're loving it, do you honestly think that they're going to tell you the truth and mess up everything that they can possibly have in this carnal life. I can tell you they won't. This is verse 13. The hireling fleeth because he is in hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So what Jesus was saying here is, at one point he was just dealing with Israel, but he knew that there would be sheep of other flocks. So this isn't a racial issue. I'm not speaking to black Christians. I'm not speaking to Asian Christians. I'm not speaking to white Christians. I'm speaking to Christians all over the world. I'm speaking to those who want to hear the truth, who believe in Jesus Christ, and who don't want to fall to deception. 
These guys are lying to people. These guys are making you promises that don't profit. And these guys are doing things to keep you from serving Jesus Christ. I don't care how friendly they look. I don't care how kind their messages are. There is nothing more deadly than a smooth-talking false prophet. You guys better beware, and you better pay attention to what God is saying. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter 2. And let's look at verse 1. And Peter says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who shall privily, like sneakily, shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So God is paying attention to these false prophets and these false teachers who bring in these damnable heresies. Money cometh unto me now. Seed faith offerings. Word faith movements. All this garbage that's got nothing to do with God. Do you know Kenneth Copeland is worth, I think, $780 million? He's worth almost a billion dollars telling lies. But this is how people would love to have it. People love to be told things that are not true. And when you deal with that, you're really dealing with a wicked society. Look at verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious, their destructive ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And I won't deny, I'm sure I've made some enemies tonight talking about the people that people love, but that's only out of love that people might receive the truth and believe in Jesus. So it says that they would find the way of truth evil spoken of. Verse 3, and through covetousness, through greed, shall they with fame, with weak words, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So as we talked about in the last teaching with idolatry, and we talked about uh, the day of visitation, God is not slack concerning his promises. He is going to revisit these false prophets. He is going to judge everyone according to what they have done in their mortal bodies. Why God has not come against you yet, and I want you guys to hear this, God is giving you grace. God is giving you a chance, even with all the wickedness that you have done, to come forward and tell people what you have done and repent and turn against it, and God will receive you. But if you hearken not unto his words, you will have your day of visitation. Let's go to Jeremiah 5. I just want to show something else here real quick. Jeremiah chapter 5. You know, and I'm not trying to preach fire and brimstone tonight, guys. I'm just trying to tell you, stop playing the fool. There is no New Testament tithe. If you go to 1 Corinthians 8, it'll tell you that the um, word of God, that we are not to give grudgingly or of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. So God wants you to give out of the abundance of your heart, being led by the Spirit not to give according to a law. The 10% law is a lie. That's why when they try and get you to give a tithe, they always go to, um, to Malachi 10 or Malachi 3 and verse 10 when it says, will a man rob God? 
That was speaking of the priest in the storehouse that they might serve the Lord, that they may take care of the priest because the priests were doing the righteous works of God. But for today, we are not under the law. We are under grace, and we are to give. We can give offering, but we are not to be commanded to give a tithe. That is not the, the New Testament scripture of God. So stop playing the fool of these people. Look at Jeremiah 5 and 21. He says, declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes to see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord? Will ye not tremble at my presence, which um, have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree? that it cannot pass it, and though the waves um, thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. So, you know, like I told the youth when I went out there to Twin Rocks Beach to speak uh, this past weekend, you know, I told them their importance for receiving Jesus Christ very young because God is that big that you can't get over him. He's that low that you can't go under, nor can you go around him. It is important that we understand that there is no way around God. You might have been slick. You might have been doing what you were doing. But in the day of visitation, God is going to um, judge you for the things that you have done. So, you know, uh, Jeremiah is asking the question here. Like, even with the roaring, even as the sea passed, these things can't get around God. Look at verse 23. But this people, he's talking about the rebel, have a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, that giveth rain both the former and the latter in his season, he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So what is God talking about this rain, the former and the latter? There were two rains in Jerusalem that were used to, um, you know, one was for the growing of the crops, and the latter rain was for the maturing of the crops. This is another thing that is not being preached in churches, is the filling of the Spirit of God. Early church teachers and early uh, people, Christians that believed, they would uh, be baptized in water, repent of their sins. They would get the Holy Ghost. But then what would come next was you prayed and you fasted and you sought the Lord, you know, until he poured upon you the latter rain, until he gave you a filling of his spirit that you might do the righteous works. And that's why John says that Jesus baptized in water. I mean, or that he baptized in water, but Jesus would baptize in the spirit and with fire. So you see, these are other things that are not being preached. You get a lot of pastors today saying you got the Holy Ghost when you got saved. Now you did get the Holy Ghost, but what God wants us to be is filled. Why? So that we can do the righteous works of God. Christ in us is the hope of glory. It is not just, you know, going into religious works and doing different things. Jesus Christ wants to live on the inside of you that God's will might be done. So he says 
that these people have a, rebel, a re, um, rebellious heart and revolting. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord, our God, that giveth rain both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. And this is why, you know, a church is really not supposed to be governed by a pastor. It's supposed to be a governing body of elders, okay? It's not supposed to be given over to one man, where when the elders speak or they see a pastor getting out of line or they have to judge him according to the word, that man could be removed from that position because he's standing against the truth in Christ. But now you don't see that. You got a bunch of junior pastors around the pastor, and then you just have he himself. But see, that's not the way God intended it to be. be. We have fallen so far from where we ought to be in Christ that we ought to hear what God wants us to do, which is put his church back in order in its proper place. All right, so he says that their sins have withholding good things from you, For among my people are found wicked men, they that wait, as as he that setteth snares. They set a trap, and they catch men. As a cage full of birds, so are their houses, so are their churches, full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxing rich. (laughs) Now, bro, does that sound like the modern-day church to you? A church that, you know, that you and I have both become familiar with, which is why we are seeking the Lord ourselves? Yay. Yep. (laughs) I have to be honest with you, it's a very lonely journey. And one of the things I'm doing while we're doing this is I've been looking into, uh, on Facebook about Christian groups Mm -hmm. to, to share this message that you, you, have delivered and you're and you're delivering on my show and it's quite disheartening but all sorts oh, of crazy things that just uh i can just imagine what you and i combined are going to what kind of hornet's nests we're going to be stirring up but you know it has oh, to be man. done that's right it has, done. it has to be done but it is a lonely it's a lonely journey because it's like the church is just absolutely Gone haywire and apostate, and um, mm-hmm. and the money and everything, greed, and and just um, and you know you can blame the pastors too, but also they're going to de- deviate just a little bit. But the, mm-hmm. the congregation is a reflection too of the pastor and vice versa. So you know, it's is it really that surprising? Mm-hmm. And you're right. Everyone. And it just shows you how many people will just go along to get along. Yeah. And if you don't, from what I've discovered, then you have – it's my journey has been – and I'm not gifted like you. I'm not uh, – God has not given me uh, great communication skills, especially like to deliver the message the way you uh, you are, you you have. And so, you know, God's given me different role to do, uh, and that's to reach out to guys like you and also to expose the – the wicked one in his in his plans, but man, that's just like it's a lonely journey, man. 
I'm, I, I am happy that you're part of my journey. I am. I'm very grateful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The glory is definitely the Lord's because, you know, I don't rely on my own ability. I never thought in a million years that I would be doing this. You know, I was always a sort of rebel. And you know what's funny? It seems like those are the people that the Lord goes after because I was always one to be known to go against the status quo. And now I really understand why, because many days I had to walk by myself. But God will choose those individuals who are not afraid to speak the truth, who will walk alone if need be. And each one of us has that gift. Bro, trust me, if the Lord um, comes upon you in spirit and he wants you to do what you're doing, you're being faithful with what he's giving you. And that's what the parable of the um, the, the uh, talents were all about. Remember, he gave one five talents, gave another um, two, and gave another one. So we are to be faithful with what the Lord has given us, and it appears that's what you're doing in Christ. So the only person that we can compare ourselves to is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the role model of any true born believing Christian. Okay, so the thing is, is that, you know, we have to um, let him dictate what we do because Moses was someone that had a stuttering problem. He said that his speech wasn't well. So, you know, Aaron got into the deal because the Lord said, all right, Moses, if that's what's going to get you to go, then bring Aaron. You know, but if God be in you, it always seems like he chooses the lesser man. He chooses the weak to confound the strong. And I think as we continue with him, the Lord is only going to pour on to what we have, and he's going to bless it. And if we stand on the truth, you and I are not the mi minority. We are the majority because we stand with Jesus Christ. You know, so if you look at this, it says that, um, you know, they've become great and waxing rich. And then it says they are waxing fat. They shine. Yea, they pass over the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause and uh, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper, and the right of the needy uh, they do not judge. So look at how these guys have gotten fat and rich. It says that they overpass the deeds of the wicked. You mean like they don't talk about sin? They judge not the cause of the fatherless, meaning they don't even take care of those who were without parents, those who were truly in need. He says, yet they prosper, and the right of the needy do they not judge. They don't speak of abortion. They don't speak of homosexuality because they don't want to, because the money is so good. So, you know, for all these people out there that are in sin, and you think that you found a loving pastor that's just going to help you out, that he makes you feel warm and fuzzy, I want to tell you this. If he loved you, he would be giving you all of God's word and not just bits and pieces. Jesus Christ never spoke to anyone like that. Neither did the disciples, neither did the prophets. They preached fire. They preached brimstone. They preached love and redemption, but they also rebuked sin. They also convicted of sin. Why? Because you have to take this word as a balanced diet. There are lots of things in here that are good for you, but there's some things that don't feel so good, but they're good for you. A balanced diet is not just, you know, sweets and everything that you want. It's about those fruits and vegetables that you didn't want to eat. Why did our parents give it to us? To make us healthy and to make us strong. And even that diet has gone out the window since we've become such a self-loving generation, a self-loving world. 
Some parents will give their kids Pop-Tarts for dinner and won't even think about it. Why? Because the child wants it. So if I give my child what they want, my child will love me, and we can live in harmony, even though his teeth are falling out, even though he's 300 pounds, and you know, and I'm not making fun of weight here. I'm just making the point. God wants us to be a healthy people. But you see how self-love can even lead to, you know, your physical health going from you sometimes. You know, I'm not talking about those who have, like, special needs and, and things going on. I'm speaking about, you know, when do we ever do today things that are good for us? When will we hearken unto good advice that doesn't exactly feel good? These are, this is the reconditioning and the process that needs to take place so that we can hear truth and do according to that truth. Look at uh, Jeremiah 3. I just want to bring up this one point. And if you can, get James 1, because we're going to go there too. But Jeremiah 3 says something in uh, verse 14. It says, Turn, O backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and with understanding. So as you can see, if you guys hearken unto the truth, if you stop listening to fables and lies, and if you say, Lord, what this person is speaking tonight might be scaring me because I don't feel like I have it, that's what God is for. He is an ever-present help in your time of need. You can call unto him. You can ask him to empower you. You can ask him to give you teachers with real understanding. When God loves you, he is going to introduce you to teachers that are beneficial for your growth, and they will not stray from the truth in God. They will not stray from the Bible. They will tell you the truth. So he says, I'll give you pastors according to my heart. If you can drop these other low lives and, and really seek the truth. Man, let's go to James 1, brother. Okay. James chapter 1. And let's look at, uh, let's see. Uh, let's go to verse 12. Look at James 1 and 12, and it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So you see, if we hearken unto the Lord and we endure against temptation, against all these lies and deceits, God will give us a crown of life that he hath promised to those that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempest he or tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So what you find in many cases concerning people listening to these liars and these false prophets, all those false prophets are doing is pulling out and finding out the iniquity within you. This is why Jesus tells us to carry our cross so that we won't fall victim to the cares of this life. But you see, when people want lies, all, the, all that guy has to do is tell you what you want to hear, and you're mm -hmm. sold. But that's why in many cases we are to be sold out for Jesus Christ. 
We are to forsake the world because the world belongs to the devil. Now, God can give you a wife. God can give you money. God can give you riches. But we've got to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and things will be added unto us. But, you know, you very rarely or very seldom hear of wealthy Christians. They're usually people that are so generous, that are giving, that are only interested in doing what God says, that they have very little for themselves, even though God may pour unto them. And, and when Jesus said in Matthew 19 that a rich man will hardly enter into heaven, then how is it possible that you got these millionaire pastors that have flocks that are, some of them might be millionaires and others are not, but they're preaching you stuff that is just so not true. How are these guys forsaking self? How are these guys loving the people continuing to ask you for money when they've got more than enough to go around? Why don't they just take that, that Sunday's offering and just say, you know what, let's pass this pot around and let's give it to everybody that's in need. Why don't they pour into that tithe bucket since they call themselves real believers? These people do not care about you. These people are concerned for their image and their own abundance. Look at this. So he says, um, I believe him in verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin it is finished, bringeth forth death. The wages of sin is death. So what does lust do? Lust is not love. Lust is a wanting, longful, sinful desire. And it says when that has conceived, when that is brought forth, then it bringeth forth sin. Because lust doesn't lead you to God. We don't lust after God. We love God. The devil uses lust to entice you to do things that are not right. And he says, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, which whom ye know variableness, neither shadow of turning. For his own will begat us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So we are to be God's choice people. The difference between Cain and Abel, Cain gave the Lord what he wanted to give him, and Cain loved self. Abel gave the Lord the best of his flock. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want, you know, your status in society. All God wants is you, that Jesus Christ can live in you and flow through you. But you see, you've got to forsake a life for a life. That's not popular teaching. But Jesus says that, you know, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many people go. Every time you hear the words many, it's always in a negative form. But he said, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So God deals with the few. He does not deal with the many. Many is always the negative. Most people will not hear the gospel. Most people will hearken unto false prophets. What we ought to do is seek the Lord. So he says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness and receive with meekness, with humility, 
the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For in any be, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And that is typical of the church. I know people that go to church holy on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday they're living like hell. But you see, this is a part of that man that is just a hearer of the word but not a doer. A doer or someone who really hears the word will be a doer. But when you just hear the word, oh, that was a nice sermon, that was a nice broadcast, that was a nice message, but it doesn't transform your life, you know, it's saying that that is not of God. God wants us to do. We're not saved by works, but the Spirit will lead you unto good works. So he says that those people will forget who they are. Look at 24. For he beholdeth himself and goeth, and, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So we're not talking about emotionalism. We're talking about a transformation. We're talking about having a love for the things that God loves and a hatred for the things that God hates. We're speaking of being of God. We're speaking of transformation, okay, not just information. But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty, that's the law of the Spirit, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So when you got all these lying, false pastors and prophets out there telling you, oh, your blessing is coming, your season is coming in, these things will be given unto you, the only blessings that you are going to receive is to put some armor on you, get full of the Spirit of God, and to combat the enemies of God. Those are the only blessings that are given out to those who overcome. Seven times the Lord said to seven churches, to him that overcometh will he give what they need. So we've got to be overcomers in this thing, not just sitting around looking for stuff for you, sitting around listening to how much the Lord loves you. We know he loves us. How much do we love him? Do you love him enough to take such a great salvation and have these pastors wipe their feet on it? Do you really love the Lord that much that you can be lied to every week knowing it's wrong, but you sit there because you're religious and you want to go to church? Seek the Lord and he will give you pastors according to your heart, according to his understanding, well, his heart and understanding. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his, um, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So, you know, these people can't bridle their tongues. These guys call themselves religion, and they just talk. Their religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So you want to please the Lord? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's Romans 1 and uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So we've got to understand God wants us to do his work. He gave us apostles. He gave us prophets. He gave us pastors. He gave us evangelists. He gave us teachers for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ. That is what the work of a Christian is to be, not to be lied to every week, not to be entertained every week, but to get to the fullness of the measurement of the stature of Jesus Christ. I want to go to one more uh, scripture, bro, uh, two quick ones, and then we'll close. But if you got anything to add, you can. If not, let's go to Acts 18. Acts 18, and we're going to begin at verse 1. You want to add something, bro? Oh, no, not just uh, Acts 18, verse 1. Heck no, I'm enjoying this. I like All it. Right. This is, to me, this is like medicine for me, so I don't know how everybody else feels, but it's good to hear yeah, some, too, hear the brother. truth and being so solid in the Word of God as well. So, And uh, it's not just somebody's opinion. And not a whole bunch of storytelling, just telling it the way it is. I think this world is in desperate need of it. Absolutely. If this is the, if this is the sword of the spirit, then this is what we do battle with. But like you said, there's a lot of storytelling, there's a lot of philosophy, and there's nothing wrong with, I guess, telling people things that they can relate to. But, you know, you find if you go to uh, Amos 8, in verse 8, the Bible speaks about how, I'm not going there tonight, but, you know, guys can read it in their spare time, when it says that there would become a, a, a drought in the word of God. He said that the bushel would become smaller, but the shekel would become bigger. And this is what you're finding every week, sermons with only one uh, one verse, and it's about 35 to 45 minutes. And then they send you home and expect you to have all of that. But, hey, there's no, there's no light weight in that offering plate. That's growing. The demand for money and what they can get from people is more. But the word of God is what's, what's becoming a drought. So the shekel gets bigger, the income, but the bushel becomes smaller, the fruitfulness. Go ahead, brother. Uh, total agreement. Total agreement. <laughs> All right, this is uh, Acts 18, and let's look at verse 1. All right, so he says, uh, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named a killer, born to Pontius, lately uh, come from Italy uh, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius uh, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for the, and wrought for by their occupation. They were tent makers, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So Paul only went in on the Sabbath days to talk about Jesus, but he testified to these people that Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah, the only way. Look at verse 6. 
and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed. So you see, he was there for a while, but these guys wouldn't listen to him. So when you mention Jesus Christ, you'd be surprised how many pastors will get offended by what Jesus said. My question to you, Pastor, is what are you even doing in that office? Don't you know that he is your shepherd, your Lord, your Savior? But see, these people have become lords over God's inheritance. So when they opposed themselves, they blasphemed and shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean and from henceforth, and I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. So as you can see, preaching the gospel is not a waste of our time. You know, Paul went to tell people the truth. They blasphemed. And what did Paul say? There's no blood on my hands. So tonight, you know, with what I'm saying, the reason why I'm coming at people hard is out of love. But there will be no blood on my hands because you're going to hear exactly what you need to hear. What you choose to do with the truth is up to you. But you're going to sit there under these dumb dogs, and you know that this isn't the same thing. You know what we told you tonight is the truth. But don't let the iniquity within you stop you from hearing and serving God. God wants you to have a personal relationship. God's not looking for a religious person. Let's go to Acts 20, and we're going to finish from there. Acts chapter 20. And let's begin in verse 16. Look at what Paul says. Acts 20 and 16, and it says, For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible, for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And when Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church, and when they would come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from that first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you uh, at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations what, um, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. So as Paul was out there preaching the word, he said, guys, I've been out there in humility of mind. Man, I've sought you guys to tell you the truth with tears, you know, and many temptations came upon Paul, and those Jews, those religious people that lied in wait for his destruction. Look at verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shewed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. So Paul didn't just work in the synagogue. He taught them publicly. He preached on the streets. And he went from house to house. And what did he teach them? Things that were profitable to them not things unprofitable to, to salvation. Verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why a lot of people won't get out of that no good church full of vipers that they're in, listening to that lying prophet, is because they fear being alone. 
God wants to take the fear from you that you might serve him and do what he calls you to do. This is all based on faith and relationship. Verse 22, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So Paul has been in prison. Paul has gone through so much with affliction, but he's still preaching the gospel. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul is clearly not conscious of himself. He is not moved by his affliction or him being arrested. But you see, when you become self-loving, you can't serve the Lord like that. All you'll do is think of yourself. But this is a real man of God putting it on the line for the flock that he claims that he loves. Verse 25, and now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Because he was leaving, you know, Ephesus. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Why? Because he did exactly what he was told to do of the Lord. He endured what he needed to. He loved the brethren, and he gave them things that were profitable. Look at 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I mean, he gave them everything he knew. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So Paul now is talking to the overseers. He's speaking to the elders. Hey, the Holy Ghost made you overseers. Feed the church of God, which, have, which God has purchased in his own blood. So we ought to hold this thing precious unto us. This is not a, a doormat for you to wipe your feet on. This is not Six Flags Great Adventure. This is not Disneyland. This is the inheritance of God. We were placed in positions to care and love for the flock no matter what happens to us. When David went and stood before Goliath, David had already killed a lion and a bear. Okay, so he was a good shepherd. The Bible makes clear that the bear or the lion took his flock and began to run away. And David ran after them and smote them on the head and he dropped the sheep. He says then the bear or the lion rose up against him. And he said he caught him by their beard and slew them. Now, you want to talk about a real shepherd, someone fearless, someone that loved the flock. David was God's man. You look at Moses and all he endured, a shepherd. God goes after those that have that shepherd-like mentality that love the flock. Man, pastors are supposed to be fearless, only fearing God. Shepherds are supposed to be fearless, you know, only obeying what God says. But a real shepherd, like Jesus Christ said, is going to put himself on the line for his flock. So when Goliath was out in the field talking all that trash, you know, David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. Man, what guts. What man of God, what mighty man that could stand up against a giant that the whole army was afraid of. He wasn't in the army. He was a shepherd boy, but he had faith. He played his heart before the Lord. He, he you know, was one-to-one in spirit with God. And you see, because David wasn't infected with all those cowards that were in the armies of, of, of Israel, David knew the Lord personally, so his faith was different. So this is what I'm trying to tell people. If you're sitting under a coward, if you're sitting under a so-called man of God that's not, it's going to be detrimental to your soul. You can only be like that which you're around. How can two walk together, the Bible says, except they be agreed? Man. So he says, uh, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one, night and day, with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So you see, this is a man of God, folks. This is a shepherd. This is someone that loves the flock. This is someone that is like Jesus Christ, that laid it all on the line for his flock. Joe Osteen already showed his true heart. When that whole flood thing went on not too long ago, I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Texas. In Houston, Joe Osteen closed his doors to people who were running for safety, so he didn't want their mess in there. So you see, that's, that, these are the people, and he's probably the leading pastor out there, or so-called pastor selling book after book after book full of lies, raking in all this money. You know you got to pay to get into that church now? It's a true stadium. But you see, when, when it came time for people to seek refuge, he closed his doors to them. So you see, that's the hireling. The man of God is the one we just spoke of that will tell the truth at all costs because he loves the flock. Mighty men of God. So I just want to tell people out there, I'm not trying to be hard on you. What I'm telling you is what I'm telling you is out of love. That true men of God care for the sheep. And even if they have to face a lion or a bear or a new world order or the devil himself, they are willing to stand there because they only fear God. And they love people. And this is what we need to do. If we're going to call ourselves pastors, if we're going to take such an office, then give it to God that he might empower you, that you might do his work righteously. But stop robbing the people. Stop stealing from the flock. Don't you have any conscience whatsoever? People have given you their rent. They can't even pay it. People have left no food on the table following you. Do what's right. Give back the money, repent of your sins, and God will receive you and give you a greater inheritance than this Charmin toilet paper they call money. Repent before it's too late. It's all on you, brother.
Well, bro, are you there? I'm here now. Oh. And it's deleted. Let's just say thank you. Thank you, my friend and brother in Christ. Uh, powerful message and uh, food for thought. And uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, well, it's been good for me because you know, of my own search circumstances, and and people don't realize that, that what I do. Although my, I believe my Lord is my fortress in my hedge, He protects me. Uh, still, there um, not only spiritual attacks, but then they manifest in other ways, and and you know. But as I told God, I said I'm willing to even lose my son to serve you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And so He's put me in the front lines of literally. If there was a guess, a watchman. I mean, how many Christians or brothers of Christ are out there are actually pretty much dedicated their whole life for nothing? Uh, when I say nothing, as far as the world, as far as the world's riches, which are nothing but dung anyways. But, you know, it's to, to serve my Lord. So that's what I do. This is what I do. I do Amen, it for brother. the honor of God. God honor, honor, I do it for the honor of God and to warn uh, my fellow brothers and sisters of Christ and humanity at large that this is not a joke. This is not religion. This is reality 101. Jesus Christ is reality 101. Amen. Hell and heaven is reality 101. Um, and the demonic realm and the devil is reality 101. But the same token, so is God's Holy Spirit and God's mighty angels. And we're in the middle Amen. of a spiritual war. And it, this this whole thing about playing church, this pseudo-community about playing churches, <clears throat> well, it, I think it's the devil's way of ensnaring uh, as many people as it can into uh, this uh, doldrum, this, you know, lull of... Uh, complacency that, hey, I'm a Christian and everything's fine, la, 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 Well, I'm going to tell you something. Thank God that you know about Jesus Christ, but do you know Jesus Christ, and do you really know what's really going on around you? Because if you did, you take Brother Derek's message very seriously, and if you did, you would be demanding that from your own pastors. And if you did, you would be insisting on the fact that one of the most important, if not up there at the top of the messages coming from the pastor, would be the fact that you're in the middle of a spiritual battle. That's Amen. real, and it's not a bunch of cartoon characters. And I'm going to tell you something. Your enemies, which we're supposed to love and pray for, I'm talking now of flesh and blood enemies, human beings, fellow human beings, who actually worship these things and hate you because of these things, convincing that they themselves them that they should hate you. Know that these things are real. Amen. That's the reason why they're on top, and they're the reason. That's the reason why nothing changes for the better. Mm-hmm. And that if you're going to keep putting your faith in a guy like. Donald Trump, or before that it was Obama, and before that it was 
this guy and that guy or this gal, and you put mm-hmm. men over over uh, Jesus Christ, and that's the same thing going on with your pastor and with the de- you know the elders quorum and the the deacons and all those. Listen, this has just been a total mess all the way through. When it comes to the organized body of religion, of the body of Christ, I don't know if it's from Constantine or whatever, but at this present stage, with the Jesuits involved and everybody else involved, if you put your faith in anybody but Jesus Christ and you don't follow him, and that includes Derek and myself, you're making a big decision. Now, does it mean what Derek has to say and I have to say not of any value? I hope it is of value for you because we're trying to really tell you the truth. Derek's doing it through the Word of God. I'm trying to do it from what God is revealing to me about the demonic realm. And listen, I wish people would, those few, you know, it's cool that we got like 100, 180 people viewing, like the first one, and I was, you know. But Mm -hmm. folks, if you really believe in what you're hearing, I'm not, see, I don't care. Merit, take credit for. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Just get it out there. I honestly, there's just. I've never monetized a single video. I don't plan on it. And then, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And true, it's all just chump change, anyways. But you know what? This whole world. I'm not gonna. You know, it, you know I spent most of my life selling selling out for a mess of pottage anyways. I'm tired of it. Yeah, me and too, you know man. what? If I have to wear rags on my back right now to serve my God, I don't care. If there's still a roof over my head, there's still food in my belly. And you know what? There's another day to go forward. But what? why to go forward is the great question. And for me, it's, it's, if, it's, if, it's if it's not Jesus, it's all for naught. It really is. This whole thing is all for naught, and you might as well just be, you know, the filthy. I might as well be the filthy pig and sinner that I was, living in the the pig pen and in the slop, and the muck, and just getting the must and the most I can get out of its life. But Jesus is real. I know this. That's right. Amen. And so this, you know, God is real. He created you, and He's not mm-hmm. asking anything burdensome from you. But it seems like that at the beginning, or even as you go along. There's even times now I was like, man, until, you know, I slap myself across the face and the Holy Spirit says, oh, yeah, you want to go back to what it really, what it was? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. I, I know I don't want to go back. And even if it means I have to walk this, in this valley alone, uh, like Abraham, with God, what a privilege and an honor will be. And quite frankly, I mean, I tell you, brother, I'm like, I am, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you feel this way. And you're out there at really in the battlefield or on the other side are actually talking to fellow human beings out on the streets and all that. And did you ever feel like you're just in another world, in another just another, even though you're talking to people and all that, like you're just seeing the whole world differently than the rest, everyone around you. And you're just wondering how, do you ever, you know, when they talk about the walking dead and all these movies and about zombies, mm-hmm. 
Have you figured yeah. out what it really is? What it really means yeah. to be a Walking Dead? <laughs> Man, absolutely. It it breaks your heart actually because you know that you know we when we're out there we call on the Lord for more power. We know there are a lot of captives that need to be set free. We know there's so many people out there that don't know the Lord, and I think that that's a big part of it is to. Um, you know, you you have to be outside of yourself, or you know, you could never serve him. So we definitely pray. We get prepared before we go out, and we go out in the spirit. You know, but yeah, you don't feel like yourself. You do feel like, at times, the only one alive. Can there be that many unbelievers out there that don't know Jesus Christ? It breaks your heart, man. You know, just to what? see drug addicts and they're just, you know, not where they need to be and. In many cases, you don't have a place to put them, you know? No rehabilitation center, no place for them to get well. These things can really break your heart. I'm not sure if that's what you were asking me or not, but, you know, sometimes we do feel like it's us against the world, us and Jesus against the world. Right. Well, sometimes that is too, but I, what I was getting at, the world is such is in such a, a, a stupor, such a daze, in such yes. a, a, a deluded state, in, a, in an illusion that mm-hmm. when I I don't necessarily feel that the world's against me as much as it is uh, that the world is just so much under the the bondage and the snares of the devil that it, it doesn't most people don't even recognize what's going on. In fact, most people that call themselves Christians don't. And you were talking about guys and folks that were drug addicts, you know. And that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I was one once. I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 let me rephrase that. I was a drunk. I don't believe in the, the disease of alcoholism. I was a drunk, right. and uh, you know, was under the, the strong. Uh, uh, well, it was demonized. That's what it was. And, uh, but the thing is, um. We, People in their suits and ties that and that are they claim to be Christians are in absolute stupor and 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 in a deluded state at this point where they don't really recognize uh, what's going on. They really don't. And here's another question too: is I, I've I've had more conversation with about. Say Jesus and God with atheists than with Christians, even in a church. Mm-hmm. That's what's so. And that to me is just unacceptable and bizarre. I mean, if you go to a church, what is it? Just a social gathering to be seen and then go back? Mm-hmm. I've never had a conversation, a serious conversation about God with a Christian in a in a church. Never. Mm-hmm. And even the pastors never had time to do that. They always had to do it. Drag, I had to drag them out to like coffee house or something. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. pretty much put them on the spot. But you know, it's so I'm so grateful that you're in my life and that somebody's willing to talk this way and and is passionate, is not ashamed of it, and wants to talk about Jesus. Believes really believes and knows the importance of this because this is all that matters. And people think, well, you're just being a religious nuts and all that. Well, whatever. But you know what? If the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, if Jesus gets a hold of you, and he starts waking you up, 
and opening your eyes, you're going to be wanting to do that all the time, all the time too, because you're going to realize, it, realize everything that you believed in mm-hmm. is based on a lie or a flat-out lie, that everything that this world's taught you is based on a lie or is a flat-out lie. But the one thing that has not been a lie in 50 years of living is the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Amen, brother. Amen. So, You're so right. Thank you for sharing, brother. Once again, I will put in the uh, in the information box the uh, teaching from uh, Brother Derek Hallett. Uh, there's blood on your hands, and, and so you can check out that video. And um, it's going to sound the trumpet ministries That's YouTube right. channel, and then it's also sound the trumpet. Ministries with the plural dot com, and that would be in the information box. And I just encourage anybody who who does appreciate uh, what uh, uh, brother Derek said to, to share it. If anything, just put it on your Facebook page. I mean, if that's all, just something. Uh, uh, listen, I, I do this. I'm asking you only this because I want the world to hear the truth. And if you know, if you've heard the truth this uh, from this recording. And then I just ask you to, to share, to do the bare minimum. You know what I mean? And if somebody, if it causes a little controversy in your life, then good. Good for you. You know, you're on the right path. But don't worry about it. Just, the controversy is really not that big of a deal. That's right. Amen, but, brother. So, yeah, you don't hang up. So, once again, uh, it's uh, uh, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, Derek Hallett. Check him out. Support him. Support his uh, ministry. Support his uh, his uh, uh, website, YouTube channel, everything else, that kind of thing. And, and Derek, he's just doing this because of the love of God. You know, he, he's a real he's a real teacher, uh, minister of uh, of our Lord. How do I know that? Because he's speaking the truth, using God's word. He's not trying to manipulate you. You didn't once hear him ask anything from you. Isn't that interesting? That's right. Isn't that interesting? Except for one thing, that you you come to the Lord. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's all we want. All right, brother. Let me uh, right. end this with With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.